Choices to you. We offer a large variety of restaurants to choose from. Hot food delivered to your home or office. Whether you like Italian, Mexican, Thai, wings or burgers, at Choices to You, we have you covered for lunch or dinner. Choices to You. Visit us online at choicestoyou.com or call 678-691-4541 in North Fulton or 678-765-8989 in Gwinnett. Eat out without going out. Broadcasting live from the Subaru of Gwinnett studio in the beautiful Sonesta Gwinnett Place Atlanta Hotel, it's time for the Tiffany Pruman Show. The Tiffany Pruman Show is presented by ChoicesToYou.com, the official restaurant delivery service of Business Radio X. Let ChoicesToYou.com bring the restaurant to you. Greetings and salutations, everybody. It is this is Stephen Julian, and I am here. It is Friday afternoon. If you're listening live, it is shortly after one o'clock, and we are here inside the Subaru of Gwinnett Studios, inside the beautiful Sonesta Hotel in Duluth, Georgia, in the Business Radio X Studios, and I am here with Tiffany Crumans. I just barely made it today, didn't I? <laughs> We're both a little out of breath, but uh, but we are here, and that's what's most important. And the other thing that is very important is that we are here in front of a fantastic lunch delivered to us by ChoicesToYou.com. Today's uh, lunch comes from Athens Cuisina. Athens Cuisina is located at 5900 Sugarloaf Parkway, Suite 419 in Lawrenceville, Georgia. Their phone number is 678 847 0150, and they are exactly how they sound. Athens Cuisina, it is cuisine from Greece. It is mm. fantastic. Uh, over there, we've got some Greek pasta. We've got some uh, uh, gyro meat. We've got some uh, grilled vegetables. And, Smells incredible. And Greek nachos. Uh. And I, I will just say, if you don't know what to get, get the Greek nachos because they are fantastic and to die for and I'm sorry to say this to my uh, attempt at dieting, but I'm going to have a second serving of them because they're fantastic. I have yet to eat because in true mompreneur fashion, I ran in the door two minutes late for my own show. <laughs> we forgive <laughs> Just you. Just part of juggling two kids and business and life, I guess. <laughs> Thankfully, the show is named for you. Yeah. <laughs> so we had to wait <laughs> until yeah. you got here. Um, but just uh, just a quick uh, one last thing about Athens Cuisina. Uh, it was delivered to us by Choices to You. Go to choicestoyou.com. If you live in the Gwinnett uh, and coming in Forsyth area, check out their website. Check out all the restaurants that you can get food delivered uh, straight to you. And it is the best food delivery service out there because they do it with a lot of care. They do it with fantastic uh, technology, and they will deliver it hot and fresh to you uh, from some of the best uh, restaurants, and it's a great way to support local entrepreneurs. So we are here on the Tiffany Crewman Show, and Tiffany, it's also good that you got here because you're the guest today. I am, right? again, yeah. I, I like it. We uh, So if those of you guys that uh, were not with us last week live or haven't listened to the podcast yet, we did something a little bit different. Mm -hmm. We uh, started a series of shows. Now, we're not going to do these one right after the other right in a row. We are going to have some shows where we bring in guests. We're going to have shows where we focus on charity uh, and we, we talk to some nonprofits. But in between those type shows, we're going to run a series of shows. And this, this is your brainchild. So let me turn it over to you and just give everybody a quick little mm -hmm. overview of what we're doing over the next few weeks. Well, we're 
not just the next few weeks, but months and hopefully over the, the entire year, oh, like we're going to have a lot of shows like this where we focus on the different steps you take to launch a product. So that may be something where um, you learn how to work with retailers or whether or not you should get a patent or just all these different things that come into play when you're launching a product. And while the Tiffany Crewman Show is for all different types of business yes. and all different types of entrepreneurs, and we want to become a community of listeners, learners, and launchers, you have launched mm -hmm. a product. You, right. ha you are a product launcher. So that is your area of expertise, your area of specialty. And the other reason this show, we're doing these kind of shows is because this is what you get a lot of your emails. Yes. About. This is what you get a lot of your contacts through LinkedIn email and, and social media. Give us an example of just some of the types of emails that you get multiple, multiple, multiple times. Well, I think I get the most emails from Shark Tank because people have watched me from day one be very clueless when I pitched my product <laughs> to successfully launching it in multiple countries, multiple languages. I'm glad it doesn't <laughs> stop on the first part of that yeah. phrase. I don't think they I found I think they found that inspiring. You know, they saw it as look, she didn't know what she was doing in the beginning. She had to learn from from day one. And now she has kind of the ultimate success with the product. Right. Um, so yeah, the the questions I get, I mean. Sometimes I get inappropriate questions. Sometimes I get marriage proposals, but mostly I get questions about launching a product. Yeah, we're so. not doing shows on that. We're <laughs> yeah, gonna do shows ever. Launching products. We're going to act like that never happened. Right, right. Even uh, though you did say yeah. it. Yeah. We might edit that out on, yeah, off I'm the venting. <laughs> so, um, so, yeah, you get questions, uh, and, and those questions range from, I have an idea mm -hmm, mm -hmm. to um, I'm in the midst of negotiations yes. and I'm in the midst of these kinds of things. Because everybody's at a different stage. So sometimes I get people, mostly I get people with the beginning idea. Where do I go? I don't right. even know where to start. But I often also on Facebook get messages, especially in these little groups about entrepreneurs of people saying, look, I was able to reach a vendor. Um, I'm speaking with them now and they're asking me stuff that I don't even understand. Right. I don't want to look unprofessional. I don't know what I'm talking about. Can you help? And, and that's what we're going to touch on today. Exactly. So last week we kind of started with the very beginning of, hey, I've got a great idea. Mm -hmm. And we were starting to talk through, there were some steps that we were yes. going through of you have an idea and how do you turn an idea into a product? So this week, we're going to take a little bit of a, a I'm not going to say detour, but we're going to stop. We did mm -hmm. one week. We did. We started with the first couple of steps. We're going to go right to what you talked about, which is you got to make sure you know the lingo. I call it learn the lingo. Yep. Learn because, it. and I've got some great stories, but I think the most important one is when Barbara and I first started this process, she had no idea how to launch a product either. I was one of her first products. So we went to our meeting with CVS. We sat down at the table with the buyer and we had this long conversation about Shark Tank. And when we finally got down to business, he said, okay, you know, we'd like to order these for all of our stores. Can you ship this FOB China? And we went, we looked at each other like, eh? You know, we had no idea what he was talking about. And we're like, sure, absolutely. You know, <laughs> we left and went, what's that? You know, and had to learn it. So, I mean, she obviously is a pro now. She's done hundreds or thousands right. of products probably since Shark Tank aired, but and so am I in some ways from having to learn it. But I want to be able to explain those things to people so that they don't look like we did in our meeting. <laughs> so if you are one of our uh, listeners, learners, and launchers, and you are in the midst of wherever you are in the process of, of launching a product, start getting ready to type or start getting ready to take notes because we are going to uh, focus today on just mm -hmm. kind of definitions and, and just making sure that you learn the lingo. So I guess the probably the best place to start would be what are there one or two words mm -hmm. that you get asked about more than any others? Um, let me think here. Probably payment terms is a big one. Okay. And that is when you are, I'm trying, I don't want to jump ahead to that. Let me look down through here really quick. I've kind of made a, a little 
almost like a book, my own book of the things I've learned. Well, and that's what we're using. Why don't we? Why don't I just throw us a change up there? I, I threw that question out. Eh, that might not be the best question. So let's let's uh, change it up, and let's just start with the real basics. Mm-hmm. Um, some words that most people, when they hear them, will go, "I think I know what that means." Yeah. But let's just make sure. Yeah. So words, you know, kind of the different relationships of manufacturer, distributor, retailer, vendor, you know, those mm-hmm. are terms that we've all heard. Mm-hmm. Kind of break those down and, yeah. and, and what we're what we're talking and about. And some of these are so simple and a lot of people are going to roll their eyes when they hear it, but you'd be surprised at how many people say, I don't know what a manufacturer is. You know, right. your manufacturer is obviously who makes your product. It okay. may be a fabric company right down the street. It may be a factory in China. And I think some, I, I mean, I'll confess, there might be some people who go, wait a minute, I thought I was the manufacturer. It was yeah, my idea. That's true. Mm-hmm. And that's very different. The manufacturer is who actually <laughs> makes it, who actually (laughs) turns it from idea into something I can hold in my hand. Exactly. And you, if you want to know what to call yourself in this industry, is you are the vendor. And that sounds so weird. You know, when you get this this paperwork from these buyers and they're saying, uh, fill out this paper, this vendor packet, and you're going, who's a vendor? You are the vendor. (laughs) You will be selling a product to this larger company. Yes. And Doritos. Everything pertaining to a vendor is you if you are selling products to a larger company. All right. And then distributors and retailers. Talk about those. Okay. So a retailer is obviously your your store that sells your product, whether it's CVS like ours or a small boutique up the street. It's whoever you are selling your product to to sell it to the used vendor. It could be um, Amazon if you do it Mm -hmm. through Amazon directly. Distributor. This is an important one. I get this one a lot. I don't think people fully understand the place of a distributor that people like uh, McKesson. McKesson is a distributor. They distribute medical products. So for mine, it's kind of perfect. Obviously it distributes it mainly to hospitals. So there's a tons, there's tons of different types of distributors. They may distribute strictly to schools. If you have a school product or to hospitals in my case, or supply warehouses, there's, they're the person that you're going to sell the product to. They don't necessarily always have a website or a, storefront, they're that in-between person that then sells it to the end user. Almost technically the middle person, the middle man, yeah. for lack of a better right. term that people have heard. And and I think there, again, there might be some slight confusion. People go, well, isn't the manufacturer the same as the distributor? Uh-huh. No, the manufacturer creates the product yes. or, or makes the actual yes. product. The distributor actually distributes it to the yes. retailers. And you won't always have a distributor. I mean, if you get to a certain level with your product, you may find um, a distribution company that's willing to work with you to where you sell your product to them and then they sell and it to they're all. Done. You're done. You're done. And okay. that's kind of the best case scenario sometimes. I mean, unless it depends on your profit, but. But most of the time you need to have a relationship with the distributor as well as the retailer, correct? Yes. Yeah. I mean, that's how we worked, you know, okay. like, so we did work with mainstream retailers directly, but we also worked with distributors that handled things that we could not do. So a great example is I can't go into each individual hospital and sell Ava, can I? That's going to be a lot of work. They don't work that way. I have to go through one of their trusted distributors and that would be McKesson. Okay. So that was going to be, that was going to be one of my other questions. Your distributor has to have a relationship with the retailer. Yeah. Yeah. If they don't, then they're going to need to develop one. Right. Because that's the only way. Right. Okay. Can you, let me just ask this real quick question. Can Mm -hmm. you have relationships with more than one distributor? Of course. Yeah, definitely. So you can. Especially in different, you know, different arenas. I mean, it may be going to a whole different customer. And that might be something, I mean, I, I guess I would just make sure when you're selling your product, Mm -hmm. if, if anybody asks for exclusivity, they better pay for exclusivity. Oh yes, definitely. Okay. Well, and distributors, another one that we didn't touch on that I started finally working with was international distributors. So 
I cannot be in France or I cannot be in these different countries handling the business in the day in and day out. So you choose a trusted distributor in that country to handle that region. And they may do a little bit more than a typical distributor. They may actually have a website that that is live as if you're in that country. Um, so that's a little bit different, but it's still a distributor. Okay. Well, let's talk about, um, so we've talked about who the players are mm-hmm. on the board and I as the vendor am looking to start to, you know, sell my product. Let's just, uh, we're, we're getting that product out there. So talk about kind of the negotiation and the terms um, mm-hmm. that, that people are going to come across. That, that was one of the things you would talk mm-hmm. to me about is the concept of terms. Okay. And I, I want your help in breaking this down the right way. There's kind of four, when you're working with a retailer, there's four main terms that they may offer you or speak to you about. And these can kind of make or break you. These can, these can put you out of business if you don't do this right. And so in some cases, if you're just starting out, you may not have an opportunity to choose these better terms. You may have to take the lesser of terms. I guess I'll start with the lesser of terms. That's um, a good place to start. <laughs> and to be completely honest with you, we, with a few vendors, we did that initially. And partly because we didn't know better and partly because we were starting out and we had to prove ourselves. Um, the first one would be called pay on scan. And so basically pay on scan is you are giving your product to this company and every time one is scanned across the the little machine and purchased, you are paid. I mean, not every time, but at the end of that month, you're paid for all of the ones that were purchased that month. So it's great for, uh, it's great for the retailer because they don't pay, they don't pay on things that don't sell. Absolutely. Not so great for the small business because you've just put money out to manufacture your product, to ship your product, and now you're waiting on it to go through. And it may not sell fast in the beginning. If you're pushing through marketing and stuff and you're waiting on on things to come through, that can be... So would the advice be do pay on scan only in small batches? Yeah. If you don't have to, don't do it at all. Right. Um, Okay. If if they're only going to do it for mm -hmm. pay on scan, then make sure it's a small order Mm -hmm. that isn't going to make or break you. Yes. Okay. All right. Do upon receipt? Yeah, I don't know if that would put that in the next level. Um, Net 30, I think, would be next. Um, This means that it's due 30 days after they've received it. So you've shipped the product. 30 days later, you get paid for all of that product. If I shipped 20,000 Avas to uh, a retailer, then they're going to pay me for all of those up front, regardless of who buys them or when they get them out. Is that um, is that one of the main standards in in product industry? That's what. Um, well, there's an even better one that we'll okay. go over next, but um, and that's kind of I think what the big the big companies demand sure. and always get. They may even get something better that I don't even know about. To be honest with you, these are the terms I know as a small right. business. Right. But there may be really really good terms for you know the Tylenols of the world or the really big companies. And I ask that because I think net thirty. Yeah. Most people in business have heard of Net30, so I yeah. think they go, oh, that's probably standard. So that yeah. was why yeah. that question came from. Okay, so what's the better one? So Net30 is obviously 30 days after. There's a 2% Net30, which means they that's a, not better per se. That's them getting a little bit of a discount if they pay you with that. So it's kind of one of their incentives that they'll dangle in front of you. And the reason they do that, the reason they offer that mm-hmm. is because most people, when I when we started talking about Net30, most people in business would go, yeah, Net30 means Net60. Net30 yeah. means Net60, <laughs> then Net90, depending on... Yeah. How they're doing, right? <laughs> yes, yeah, yeah, definitely, exactly. Because you want to know that you're going to get that payment in when they said. Okay. And then the best would obviously do do upon receipt. When you ship your product, you're paid right away. It literally, as it enters their factory or their warehouse, it is signed off on, and payment is received either by wire transfer or however they have that set up. That's that's kind of the creme de la creme for you yes. as the vendor. Yeah, you want to be paid as soon as they receive mm-hmm. the product. Mm-hmm. And with payment methods, and that that's. 
mm-hmm. guess that's growing a little bit. Now, I, sh- I should probably expand on this a little bit. This is more of when you're working with a major retailer. If you're going to sell to a Baby's R Us, expect to do one of these four, probably, if not some other option they have now. The, there's a big difference when you're working with um, a small store up the street. If a boutique contacts you and says, I want you know 50 Avas, they have to pay up front. That's something where you always receive payment up front. You don't typically do terms with with smaller companies. Okay. You're not just you're really not able to as a small business. Right. If you did that with, you know, two hundred small companies, that could be an issue with keeping up with the money coming All in. The shipping and stuff like yeah. that. Okay. So um <clears throat> when it comes to terms, let's also talk about kind of the delivery of the product. What are some of the things mm-hmm. that come up when they, you know, you're getting your product to the retailer? Okay. I use the right term. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, So the FOB shipping that we talked about earlier, that's called the definition of that is freight on board or free on board. Some of some people say that. Now that term, I mean, it's it even it's to me now it's still a little bit confusing, but it basically means that wherever it's coming from, you are you're giving them that price for whatever it we're for from, I'm sorry, wherever it's coming from. So if I said FOB shipping from China, I'm saying I'm giving you a $4.99 price from China, which means to them, they're going to still have to ship it from there. So you give them that price for wherever you're going to leave the product. It could be my warehouse right up in Brazelton. So if Ava's sitting at that warehouse, I would give someone pricing FOB Brazelton and they would know, oh, well, I'm in California. I've still got to add that shipping in. Okay. All right. Or you could give it to it all the way to their warehouse. You know, you could offer to do the shipping. So in that very first, so let's go back to that yeah, very first sorry. meeting. <laughs> no, no. So when the, in that very first meeting, when they said FOB China, yeah. that actually was okay for you guys because mm-hmm. they're saying from there, we now have to pay to yes. get it over here. We didn't know that that was actually a good thing. They were saying, if we're going to ship a container anyway, and we'll talk about containers in a minute, yep. if we're going to ship this, we can add yours into that. And okay. are you avail- is that an option? Do you have to ship it to the States and add that extra cost into your price? Right. Or can you give us a little bit lower cost and allow us to ship it from China? Because they're in, they, doing they, much larger quantities. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. So, so we've talked about FOB shipping. Um, so then talk about some of the other shipping terms that people okay. might come across. This is more like when you're moving product from your manufacturer. Say you you manufacture your product overseas, which a lot of people do. This is more talking to that versus working okay. with a retailer. So when you need to move your product, I think this is one of the things that small businesses waste the most money on. There's a lot of people out there that will take advantage of you when they ship these units. We were taken, excuse me, taken advantage of a couple times uh, to the tune of maybe five or ten thousand dollars. You know, over time, <laughs> that's a lot of money. That is. So there's things called less than load shipping. Well, we'll start with a container. Actually, a container is you know the big things you see on the back of a semi. Absolutely. That's a container. So if you can fill a container, you get a certain price for that container, and it doesn't typically depend on on weight. Oddly enough, it's just the size of the container. So you can fit as many, say somebody's shipping something very thin, a little wipe or something, you know, right. you're going to fit a million right. of those in there versus five chairs, you know. <laughs> so you're shipping this thing and it's called shipping an entire container. If you're shipping less than that container, it's called less than load. Okay. Um, and that's LTL. you basically going in with other people and saying, I'll take a section of this container. Right. right. And obviously then the cost of that container just because, oh, I can fill up half the container. Well, they're not going to give you half the rate of a full container, yeah. right? Because a full container is signed, sealed, delivered, and it's only going right. one place. I get that. Okay, right. that makes sense. And it's a good thing to know because what what happens is small businesses, say they say the company we were talking about last week, Tubesies, say she's shipping, you know, only 600 units and she doesn't want to ship them or, or say a couple thousand, 5,000 units. 
She doesn't want to ship them FedEx or UPS for something of that size because you're going to pay an arm and a leg. You can look into these companies that offer this to ship it less than load and put it in with another container that's coming over. It may take longer, but it could be worth it in the long run. Okay. What other ship? I mean, you, this is good FOB shipping and mm-hmm. LTL shipping. Mm-hmm. Anything else I need to know about shipping? Um, and, and by the way, let me just yeah. jump back on LTL for just a second. But the way you lost money on that mm-hmm. is because perhaps some small business owners think I got to keep it small. Mm-hmm. I got to, I got to, you know, control the size of my shipping. And sometimes getting mm-hmm. one big shipment will save yes. you enough money over the next six. It might take three to six months to recover that, but I'm going to ship. Or more importantly, they, they don't even know that there are shipping companies that will help them with that. They don't ah. look down that road. They only think of FedEx and UPS like we did. Like you're, you're trying to ship through these Got main it. carriers. You're not thinking that there are entire companies that work with small businesses to ship less than loads. Nice. So you want to you want to look into that, and you definitely want to vet some. You know, talk to a, a bunch of different companies, get a bunch of different quotes for the size of your product. Um, I think it's important though before we you know they go and approach these companies that they know um, how that stuff should be set up because if you don't have those measurements and weights, you're not going to be able to get that pricing. So okay. maybe we should come back to that. Well, in other words, as far as kind of the size of your product, right? let's go on to that. Let's talk about that. So a lot of people have come up with their product. The product is, you know, is perfected. They're ready to launch, but they haven't really thought about any of their casings. You know, how are they putting this together for a retailer or even an end user? And that's typically called a case pack. So for Ava, I'll use Ava as an example. It made sense for Ava to have six Avas on a peg at a store. So meaning that little thing that it hangs on. Six of them could fit there. Okay. It may it it kept enough on the store shelf to fill up the space, but not too many where the store would have them in the back, you know, waiting. So we would we would do small little cases of six, and then you'd put those into a pack. It four of those, or well, how many did we have in a pack? I can't remember now. <laughs> anyway, you put a bunch of those into another box, sure. and that is your main case pack. Got it. So that you'd have to have the measurements of that box before you contact these companies and say, I've got you know forty five of these. 24 by 60 boxes to ship. And what I find fascinating is you broke it down to, you broke it all the way down into what's a store going to find most useful mm-hmm. in, in putting these out. One box fills up yes. a peg. Uh-huh. Uh, that's perfect. I and mean, that's I, what retailers are going to do with you. I mean, they're going to want to know how many of these fit on it? How many can we keep around? They don't want too many in store. They don't want too little. And if you as the product company have mm-hmm. already thought of that, mm-hmm. so you've said in the last show, one of the reasons why you got on Shark Tank was you had done a lot of the research before mm-hmm. the product was ready to launch. Yes. Um, so here again, this is a small way that if you as the product mm-hmm. entrepreneur have done the research and gone, you know, in your stores, you do your shelves normally look like Mm -hmm, this. mm -hmm. And we, our box brings, you know, six units and that would look perfect stacked in here. And it's impressive to retailers. You're able to take that in. That gives them a lot of confidence that you know what you're doing. So you knew that in a medical, in in, let's use CVS as the example, you knew, hey, in that kind of area Mm -hmm. of the store, they're going to use one of these. Oh, we had literally taken our prototype to the store I had and and placed them, you know, so I that like we it. could see how many fit and and knew ahead of time. And so so that started the whole concept of mm-hmm. a case pack. But then you took it up to how many can we ship in a well, box? right in between is you've got your case packs, and then your case packs have to be palletized. There so you they go. have to go on a pallet, which everybody knows what a pallet is. Yes, um, but I've never heard palletized. Yeah, I think that's the that's word. Really I cool. could be wrong, but. <laughs> 
We're making it up if not. Trade, trademark <laughs> Tiffany Crimmins, 2017. <laughs> so, so, and, and, and palletized is how does your product go from that case of six to the larger box mm-hmm, of 24, I think right, it was. And mm-hmm. then how many of those will fit on a How pallet? many of those boxes, the 24, fit on a pallet, then they wrap it up. And that's, I mean, people don't think through to these steps. They already, they want to contact these retailers and they want to get on the store shelves and they haven't done any of this. Right. And rightfully so, they didn't know they needed to, but you've got to take all these steps before you ever reach out to that store buyer. He doesn't work with you to grow your business. He's there to buy product. He's there to buy product at to his be best bought. price point and that will give him yes. a margin because he's that trying to make money That can ship yesterday. And, it, <laughs> and, and again, you thought through what it would look like on the store shelves and then that middle box, you've got to think through how is this going to be arranged on a pallet? Uh-huh. So if it fits perfectly, you know, four of them stack perfectly mm-hmm. well on a pallet, then you're, again, you're thinking through the shipping yep. and that'll help you save some money which goes back into your margin. Mm-hmm. All right. So uh, speaking of our margins, uh, I'm going to take a, a quick break and we're going to kind of reset here. So just uh, want to remind you that you are listening to the Tiffany Crewman Show on Business Radio X. We're broadcasting live from the Subaru of Gwinnett studio inside the beautiful Sinesta Hotel in Duluth, Georgia. And today, as always, our show is brought to you by choicestoyou.com eat out without going out. Today we are enjoying, and I've already seen Mike and Trey go back to the table twice each. Uh, We've enjoyed a wonderful lunch from uh, Athens Cuisina. Uh, Athens Cuisina, if you want to go visit them, they are located at 5900 Sugarloaf Parkway, Suite 419 in Lawrenceville. Their phone number is 678-847-0150. I'm sure we will all be enjoying their restaurant sometime in the future, but for today, we got it delivered to us by choicestoyou.com. Go to the website, pick out your favorite restaurant, have it delivered right to your door. So choices to you eat out without going out. And I got in late, so now I have to eat after. And I don't but think there's okay. going to be anything That's left, my punishment. So, yeah. <laughs> um, okay, so uh, so the other thing I wanted to do before we get back into the terms, mm-hmm. and I just want to kind of give this encouragement to our, our community of listeners, learners, and launchers, mm-hmm. is that we had been saying as we go through this product launch, and today we're talking about definitions, and we go back into the steps to launch your product, you have encouraged and we've encouraged everybody to send us their questions, mm-hmm. send us their comments and reach out to us. And we are thrilled to say yeah. that after the first show that happened. Yes. Yeah. We had some great questions come in and one in particular, I'd like to kind of feature him and his brand because he had just a good list of questions that we could go over on this show. And then um, he's also got an Indiegogo campaign that is launching on the third or the second. So in a couple of days. Second oh, of May, What's 2017. Today? Yeah. Soon. Today's the 28th. Yeah. There we go. Okay. April. Don't even know what day it is. So his name is Dave, Dave Locke, and Dave and his partner came up with a a new seat for babies that basically latches on to the seat when they're toilet training. So instead of it slipping back and forth and pinching their little legs or falling off, it it locks in. Dave and now, Locke. I know. Came up I just with a heard, locking toilet seat. I just realized. That. Dave Locke, shout out. What's up, late yeah. man? Good job. And if you want to look at their website, it's sillypeach.com. Um, I don't know why, but that's their name. And I'm sure it's a cute, uh, or I've actually seen it. So it's a cute brand. You can check it out. Um, sillypeach.com. And he had some questions for us. Let me start at the beginning. He said, after you come up with a marketable invention, how do you decide whether to build a business around it or pursue a licensing deal with a bigger company to take your invention to market? I think you should do both um, at the same time. I Or, you know... And is, it, is that because you want to find out, okay, which one wins out first? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I mean, when you're at the right point, you're going to try to take it licensing. You don't go when it's an idea idea. When you've sketched it out on paper, that's not going to happen. Um, but 
I've seen more success with people who have built their brands completely and then licensed. Uh, because, the one I, go ahead. Because the brand gives you more credibility. It's been proven. It's been proven yep. and it's more valuable. Yes. Let's be honest. It is. Um, if while you're developing that mm -hmm. brand, you're constantly looking at, at licensing, if yes. the right deal comes along, then you can always go, right. okay, well, why keeps, you know, my sweat equity is paid off early. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, so then maybe I'm going to, I'm going to put words in your mouth and you're going to tell me if I'm right or wrong, but so pursue both, but really lean toward the development yes. of the product because that's going to tell you, that's going to grow your value. Yes. And okay. that, and that matters. I mean, yeah. if you're going to license away just a patent or just a trademark, you're not going to get as much if you don't have an established brand. And, so and why wouldn't you try to do that? Absolutely. And Dave's question leads us to the fact that, uh, as we go through these list of shows, we're going to need to do a show on licensing. Yeah, yeah. So. And I'll be able to speak a little more to that later, but I'd love to have an expert on that can help sure. as well. Yeah. And okay. some of my friends who have licensed from Shark Tank that, you know, have gone on and licensed their products and brands. And, and I think when you say do both, you, I mean, one of the things that's coming across very clearly and why you've been successful is it isn't just, I got this great idea. There's a lot of research and there's uh -huh. a lot of grind mm -hmm. and there's a lot of get gritty in the details. Yes. And so you've done that. And, and I so, think it depends on the type of product, too. If you've in, uh, truly invented something, a new medical device, like, you know, that's going to go into surgery or something very complex like that, that you're going to get a secure a patent on, especially two kinds of patents or whatever, and it has nothing to do with trademarking, it has really nothing to do with even being in mainstream, that's something you would pursue licensing on. What are you, You're not really going to build a brand of that because... Obviously, for obvious reasons, it's going to go to the company who's going to use it and manufacture it. Okay. So that you may want to produce, um, or I'm sorry, pursue licensing right up front. I would think also if while you're in this planning stages and working through stages, if you can see what the greatest ultimate value of your company is mm -hmm. going to be, I'm going to build the greatest ultimate value if I do it all myself and yeah. build my own brand all the way to selling it off, not as a license, but just selling my company. Right then you might want to really lean toward that route or no, no, this is, you hear the term serial entrepreneur mm -hmm. and someone who goes, mm -hmm. I just want mm -hmm. to kind of, I'm really good at coming up with the idea and getting can't it to a it. sellable point as a licensing deal. Uh, you, you probably can answer, he can probably answer that question himself to some extent, mm -hmm. I guess is what you're saying, but pursue both. It yeah. is, is good. I advice. don't take one off the table. I don't know right. if you'd pursue the licensing heavily in the beginning, but definitely don't be against it. Like you yeah. said, if an opportunity comes up, a good example of that is Baby Einstein. That was a mom who created that solely for her kids. It was a um, little thing where you can learn, the kids can learn from animals and they basically played Einstein music that she got um, permission to use, you know, the license to use. And Disney bought it from her eventually because she grew this brand so large that they took notice and they purchased it. I didn't know Einstein did music. That's yeah. <laughs> uh, quite impressive. Um, so, okay. Uh, any other good questions from, from Dave oh, yeah, at sillypeach.com? Baby Einstein. That's a good point. Thank you. <laughs> My, my job is to distract and oh, derail no, the show. Oh, no, they've got, that's what it is. It's Baby <laughs> Einstein, and then it's got Mozart music. That's what it was. <laughs> I'm Einstein. <laughs> Had my first blonde moment there. I'm actually blushing. I wish you could see. <laughs> you get the point. <laughs> <clears throat> to, my, to my father, David Julian, who is uh, with the Lord, I apologize for the fact that we... <laughs> Uh, he was a musician and a okay. pianist, so he's rolling in his grave. So sorry, yeah, Dad. Yeah. Okay, uh, so now that we decided that Einstein was a great musician, um, and this was all on Dave's. Dave, I, I, Dave Locke, I blame you at SillyPeach.com. Yeah, it's your but fault. anyway, that was a great question. Um, so, uh, was there any other questions you wanted to focus on him before we give him one more shout out and get back to our uh, this? Is a good one. He said, "At what stage of the business would you recommend going to trade shows?" 
before or after starting production. I recommend if you're going to go to trade shows or produce or um, reach out to retailers, you need to be ready with product because you're going to trade shows to sell to buyers. Your point is to be have a presence at the um, show and be able to sell to buyers. And if you go with an idea or, or you know something that's not completed and finished, you're going to basically, that's going to be your first presence to that buyer. And that's not what you want. Wait it out. Don't rush. People rush in and they pay $2,500, $3,500 for these different trade shows for a booth. They can't make the booth what it needs to be. And if you've ever seen these shows, yep. I mean, these booths yep. are phenomenal. Some yep. of them cost 30 grand. Not to say you can't do one much cheaper, but you're not going to But gonna you can do one really that. cheap, right? Yeah. And that doesn't do any good. Exactly. Right. Yep. Yeah. So I, so, and I like, you know, there's a theme there. Always be ready to do business. Yes. Always, when you're going to do anything in front of anybody, be ready mm-hmm. to do business. Well, and if you're going to rush forward with a product, rush forward in the right areas. You know, start developing it behind the scenes and do all the things you need to do in the company. Don't rush forward with going to trade shows and emailing retailers because that needs to come after you're prepared with all of this other stuff. I like it. The more prepared you are, the better you'll do in business. I mm-hmm. like that. Okay. So uh, one last time, thank you to uh, Dave Locke and his company, sillypeach.com, uh, and go check out his uh, his locking toilet seat. I'm mm-hmm. just going to really enjoy saying that. And Dave, if you'd like me to uh, do a voiceover for your commercial, I'd be happy to do that. So <laughs> anyway, uh, let's, get, let's get back into, uh, into definitions. We had been talking about shipping, and we had talked about some of the mm-hmm. kind of basic terms. Um, so let's, let's talk about kind of that intellectual property, trademarks, patents, you know, with the different patent types. You know, I think I want to save that. We may have oh, a, okay. um, well, I'm sorry. Do whatever you want. I'm sorry about that. Don't care. <laughs> we, You're not getting me back for the Einstein music. We may have a, an care. intellectual property attorney coming on, um, maybe next week or the week after. And so I'd kind of like to save a little bit of that for him so he can speak more clearly on that. Okay. Um, if we could stick to retail for a minute, there's a couple questions that people ask me all the time. Um, that I didn't understand in the beginning, and I'd like to share with them. Do it. Um, one of them is called EDI. It's Electronic Data Interchange. And it's basically when a an order comes from your major retailer, they're going to send that to you through EDI. You're going to have to set up a separate membership and and pay basically a company to transfer those orders. So you would think it would just be an email. Here's an email for this many orders to this address, but it's a very complex system and you have to pay basically to use a system in order to get those orders from them. They literally will not work with you until that is set up. Wow. Okay. Yeah. So, and that's still, I mean, I still don't completely understand that system. Even after all these years of doing it, it's that complex and there's people that that's all they do. You can, you can hire people that will work strictly on taking your orders because it it is that complex. So it's called EDI, Electronic Data Interchange. And yes, you will need it to work with major retailers. And, okay, so correct my ignorance, but mm-hmm. the EDI, they, they your They're purchase orders go party. through an EDI. Mm-hmm. You have to use one. You have to yes. use theirs? No, you have to, it's a third party company. Okay. So right. it's, it's one company. So you need to you set have. up a relationship yes. with an EDI if you're yes. going to sell products. Yes. Okay. Uh-huh. And here again, there's going to be, go do research, mm-hmm. go talk mm-hmm. to other people in the small business community. Who do they use? Who do they trust? Yes. Who do they like? Mm-hmm. Things are always changing. Who's mm-hmm. got the best? Okay, good. So yep. be ready to work on EDI. And don't right. be shocked by that term when it comes. All um, right. Let's see. What else can we... We've oh, got FOB and EDI. Yeah. I'm wondering what other yeah. <laughs> three-letter terms makes you your head. Got. Imagine how right. I felt yeah. trying to learn all this in the beginning. <laughs> okay, go ahead. Um, a skew. Now, most people know what a skew is, I would assume, but... It's they, when I get a little bit off and yeah. things are a little strange. <laughs> so a skew is that little number, that little barcode. SKU, number. right? Yes, there you yes. Go. Another three-letter. Goodness gracious. Yeah, right. yeah. FOB, SKU. Um, stock keeping unit is uh-huh. what it is. Uh-huh. And 
if you're selling stuff on your website, like um, Cecilia that does tubesies, I was giving her her own kind of stock keeping unit. So I was breaking them down by what the term might be in the numbers. But when you're working with a retailer, you actually have to purchase a a barcode through, again, through a third-party company. I've got a a word of warning on that. When I first purchased mine, I did it through a a third-party reseller. And I basically, I didn't even know it, but I purchased a hundred of those. So I purchased like a whole strip of a hundred. Skews. Yeah, skews. Um, I didn't even know that in the beginning. It, I don't. I don't know how to explain it, but, but it's just Ava, the sold elephant very weird. is only one product. One yeah. Skew. yeah. So you're going to want to make sure you're just getting one, and it, it's set up through the right website. Do a little research on that because there's can a you resell- lot of companies that do them. Okay, so I'm an eBay guy. Can you resell your SKUs? Hey, I got these. I got ninety. That's SKUs. what these I'm company like- has done. Yeah, they, these different companies, and it's not a bad thing. There well, I'm are saying, companies. Can you? Oh, um, I've got ninety nine SKUs. Hey, yeah. Steven, you want a SKU? I don't know. Maybe. Yeah. Psst, you want to buy a skew? Possibly. <laughs> you need that though. That's basically okay. the social security number for your product. And that's a one-time cost. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. You're all buying right. that and and you're using okay. that with all your retailers. All it's right. the same everywhere. You, well, for the most part, some people switch them up if they're working with um, major retailers and they want to keep up with it in their inventory. They may do a different skew for a different store, but most people use it for everything. Okay. All right. Um, and I think the last thing I want to touch on for retailers is MOQ. I just heard this not even a week ago in a M-O-Q. Facebook. Uh-huh. Yet another, another three, three letter. <laughs> you uh, can't bring up anything else other than three letters. So. Yeah. This one I heard just in a Facebook group a couple days ago. Um, someone said they were talking to a retailer. They asked, what, what is your MOQ? What do I do? What are they asking me for? And it's just minimum order quantity. Okay. So it's you saying to this retailer, I will sell no less than 100. I will sell no less than 1,000. You need to be smart about that number and find out what the typical MOQ is. So if you respond to that buyer and say, I will sell no less than 1,000 and they're typically buying you know, 200, that may be the the close of that relationship. So that's so. the minimum you're willing, that's a minimum order you're willing to give yes. them. Yes, and that's because, and, and it may be a small amount. It may At be the my, beginning. Yeah, it, a 24 case pack, it was my MOQ for a lot of my stores because that's what I could ship in one box. Right. And the reason you're doing that is somebody says, I want 17 and you've got a box of 24, <laughs> what are you doing? <laughs> you're taking it apart, it's going to be a hot mess. You've nice. got to be able to ship it by the way you have it packed. Okay, so we've got, uh, in the, and you know, I guess in the other retail terms, um, talk a little bit about private label. I don't know a lot about it yet because obviously I've never done that with Ava, but there's a lot of companies that produce a product and they sell it to a, a Walmart or whoever it is under private label. So you may have something that is appropriate for that. Ava's not really appropriate for that. You're not going to see Ava with Ava's name on it. And then Ava as a Walmart brand Ava, but you will see that for wipes or, or, Kleenexes or different things. You, you know what I'm talking so, about. So in, Off brand. Yeah. Basically. So there you go. It's it's the brand the of the brand. store, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. So CVS brand or Walmart brand or And that could um, be very lucrative for some companies. Correct. It's something if you're if you don't have a, a brand presence and you don't already have a brand build up, but you have a phenomenal product, that may be a space you can get into and provide okay. it to a large company like that. All right. Um so uh we're, we, man, we've, we've covered co- a lot, covered today. a lot of stuff. My head is spinning just thinking about it. I've got a cramp in my hand from <laughs> writing out all these notes. Okay. It's before I let you, before we kind of wrap this up, is, are there any other stray terms? I mean, I, I, you know, cause I'm looking here at some of the things we had written down and, you know, there's a purchase order. And I guess one of the things is a, a well, I don't know. I'm looking at bill of lading and I, I don't know if that's some, are there any terms? Let me just ask you, are there any mm-hmm. terms you want to make sure we cover before we wrap this up? I think that's it for now. We can always come back to other ones as we come across them. And I'm sure there's going to be 
a lot that we come across as we're teaching other lessons. I've got a great idea. What's that? If anyone's listening to us and there are some terms that you think we should have talked about, send us those terms. Uh, If there are terms you've come across as you're building your business, Mm -hmm. uh, or if there's terms that someone's asked you and you didn't know what they were and we didn't cover them here, let us know what those are. You got any great stories of of your experiences yeah. because um, we are we are learning how to fail forward. We're also yes. learning how to celebrate both in our victories and and learn from our defeats uh, because that's what good business mm-hmm. owners do. That's what good people journeying through life do. So if you've got a story to to um, to let us know about Tiffany, why don't you give them where they can reach out to you and how they can get in touch with you specifically to send you you know some right. questions. Um, I've actually just rebuilt my personal website, so it's a little bit cleaner and more crisp now. Um, On the very first page, there's a contact form and you can just put in your information, your email and send us any questions you had. That's what our friend did last week and quite a few others. Um, Tagline it as the Tiffany Crewman show, but call it the definitions show. Yeah. (laughs) So if you got a question or comment about the definition show. Yeah, that would be nice to keep up with them. Let us know Mm -hmm. that. Yeah. Okay. And so it's on the Tiffany Crew. Just use the contact uh, page. TiffanyCrewmans.com. K-R-U-M-I-N-S.com, right? Okay. So, um, we have at Business Radio X, we have the greatest producers in the world. Yes, okay. We do. And uh, uh, Mike, Mike, <laughs> oh, you hear, you hear the crowd, <laughs> our live audience uh, cheering loudly. Mike and Trey are both in here producing the show. And Trey Odom sent me this uh, in the midst of our show just to make sure that we are as accurate as, as can be. If any of our listeners were to Google, was Einstein a musician? <laughs> They will get, uh, there is a, uh, there is a, an article called the musical mind of Albert Einstein, great physicist and amateur violinist. I forgot he was an amateur violinist, by the way, he started out as a patent clerk. Mm-hmm. Okay. So here we're dealing with patents mm-hmm. later. And so patent clerk, oh, and he wow. was a musician. So baby that? Einstein, here's the quote I'll just, uh, uh, give to this, uh, article. Uh, while this description may get at the public perception of his composition, Einstein himself seems to have favored the musician over all of his other parts. Life without playing music is inconceivable for me, Look he once that. said. And then he went on to talk and <laughs> and uh, it cuts it off. So, okay, but to be clear, I really wasn't calling him. He was a, I was I knew that there's some Mo- Mozart on her recordings right. and I knew that it was trying to teach your baby to be like baby Einstein. And it is called baby I Einstein, right? Yes, the product yes, yes. is called baby Einstein. But look at that. that. I was right. I should have just said you I should. meant that. That's right. <laughs> Cut that, please. Thank <laughs> That's you. That's right. As usual, <laughs> Tiffany was right and I was wrong. <laughs> um, okay. So uh, we will uh, we'll go back to the um, uh, step twos and, and launching the product mm-hmm. uh, as we go through next uh, next couple weeks. Also be listening to uh, get our next guests. Uh, and just want to remind you that uh, the Tiffany Crewman Show is broadcast live every Friday at 1 o'clock, mm-hmm. most, uh, most times, <laughs> uh, from Gwinnett Business Radio X. Unless I'm running late. Yeah. I know, I know. Trey was going, eh. uh, <laughs> That so was the only time I've ever been late for the show. <laughs> we stream we stream live every Friday at 1 o'clock, GwinnettBusinessRadioX.com. By the way, if you check out that website, you can check out some of the other Good Business Radio X shows. Also, you can uh, get the Tiffany Crewman's podcast by pulling up the podcast icon on your iPhone or uh, Android phone and subscribe mm-hmm. to the podcast and you'll get notified when we do a new show and you can download it and listen at your leisure. You can also uh, check out her website, tiffanycrumans.com. You can check her out on Facebook, social media, all over the place, all kinds of stuff going on. Any other shout outs you want to give before we 
Um, no, besides the fact that we're going to do the 10 goose this Sunday. I mean, the I told you about that goose. last week. That's yeah. Right. Very so good. Two more days. We're going to be flying on the 10 goose. I'm hoping like the weather it. holds out. Well, if you have a great flight, I would strongly encourage you to do one of two things. Either go to Athens Cuisina, uh, on, uh, in Lawrenceville or. When you guys get home, go to choicestoyou.com. We may order some. something out there while we're waiting at the airport. Ooh, That'd be fun. I like that. Have yeah, them do deliver. a picnic and watch the planes take off. <laughs> hey, can I take this baklava on the tin goose? <laughs> That's a question I probably, they probably, they frown probably upon that. never <laughs> been asked. So fantastic. Well, I hope you guys have a great time this weekend. Thank you. Uh, look forward to seeing you next Friday. And to all our listeners, learners, and launchers out there, we look forward to uh, hearing from you and having you listen in every week to... The Tiffany Crewman Show. So for Trey, for Mike, and for Tiffany, this is Stephen Julian saying, have a fantastic weekend. <laughs>